you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Luke chapter 7. We want to just uh, consider for a few moments a lesson from the Word of God. Luke chapter 7. And we'll begin reading there at verse 36. Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. Luke writes, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table, and you would lean on one elbow and leave your feet sticking out behind you there. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owned him 500 denarii and the other 50. A denarius was a day's wages. Okay, if a day's wages, think of it like a $100. Okay? One owed him 500 denarii, another 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. When you leave this building this morning, you're going to get into, most of you are going to get into a vehicle and you're going to sit, one of you or some of you will sit behind the wheel and you will drive home. And as you're driving in front of you, there will be some things, gauges on your dash, and you have the opportunity to look at them. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, which is why you have to hitchhike to the gas station. 
But those things are there for a reason and they're there to tell you how your vehicle is performing. Now some vehicles have dispensed with numerous gauges in favor of some little lights that blink. And we ignore those too sometimes at our peril. But we need those gauges to show us what is happening under our hoods and what information is good to have sometimes. If you were to come to this building on the average Tuesday night, there would be a great deal of noise and that noise would also act as a sort of gauge. It's kind of like a fun meter. And when you hear all the, all the yelling and all the, all the goings on here on a Tuesday night and the noise level is fairly high, you recognize that the fun meter is indicating a fair degree of fun. We used to have a little dog, and she had a fun meter built into her hiney. It would go like this, really fast on the furniture. And when you heard that thing going on the furniture, you know the dog was having fun. And so we need these meters. And every couple, every human couple has a meter, and it's called a love meter. And I wonder where you're you're, if you have another human relationship, whether it's with a child or whether it's a, with a friend or whether it's with a spouse, how your love meter is doing. You see, there are couples out there whose love meter is bouncing on zero somewhere along the line. There are others, when you see them, you know that their love meter is in healthy territory. <coughs> but there are other people you really wonder about. And I want to ask you this morning, How's your love meter in your relationship with Jesus? Is it kind of bouncing around the zero mark or is it, is it stuck at zero? Is it, is it up there somewhere? Is it, is it in the normal range or is it on, on the high range? I don't know, I'm asking. And I'm asking you to check out your love meter. You, sometimes you, you ignore the gauges on your dash of your vehicle at your own peril. But maybe you and I need to check out our love meter for our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because great forgiveness demands great love. And if Jesus has forgiven me much, then I think my love meter needs to be fairly high. What's going on here? Jesus has been invited for dinner, and I think it was kind of a grudging invitation. I don't know what the guy was thinking. He didn't like Jesus. Why would you invite someone like that for dinner? Maybe it was an opportunity to show off. Why do I say that? Well, Jesus complained about this guy. He said, look, he said, you invited me to dinner, but... It was customary if you had a guest in those days, when you invited someone to dinner, you got somebody to wash their feet. I mean, like, you know, come on, feet were dirty, they were sticking out there. I mean, that was just good manners. That didn't happen. You would invite, if you were invited, a male and you invited another male, you would greet him by kissing him on the cheek. It's not something we think about a whole lot, but it's, it was a social custom at that time, and that didn't happen. And you would probably pour some perfume on that person's head because they didn't shower like we do. And so, you know, it kind of tended to, 
to, to set a little bit better atmosphere for a meal if people were perfumed rather than some of the other things that might have been around. But the guy, this Simon guy, didn't do any of that for Jesus. He just invited him and said, come and eat, but I'm not doing any special for you, buddy. And so as Jesus is there, an uninvited guest showed up, and that wasn't unusual. When a rabbi was invited to someone's house for a meal, other people could stop by and listen into the conversation. My Bible said that she was a woman who lived a sinful life. It doesn't explain that. But when you read between the lines, you discover someone who is sexually immoral and probably a prostitute. And I don't know what she was thinking. It must have been a great risk for her to walk into this Pharisee's house. There was immorality involved. There was a bad reputation. Everyone knew who she was. And she stood at Jesus' feet weeping. I don't know what she intended to do when she came in there. But she knew she needed something. She wouldn't have found acceptance among the Pharisees and the people of that town, but somehow she knew when she came to Jesus that there would be acceptance. And she stood there weeping. It's just a matter of being in the presence of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever had that happen where your emotions get the better of you. I'm a guy, I don't cry much, usually. But I remember standing at my dad's casket and we had the viewing just before the service, and I was, it was my very first funeral ever, it was my own dad, and, 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 and I lost it. I mean, like, this kind of stuff doesn't happen to me, I'm, I'm strong, you know, I, I'm an ex-logger, like, we don't do that kind of stuff, and I lost it. And I sobbed like I have never sobbed before. I did it one other time when we were at Promise Keepers here with a bunch of guys. We went to Edmonton from here and they all stood around me and laid hands on me and it was like we were in the presence of Jesus and it just overwhelmed me. And I don't think this woman walked in there to put on a public show. But she's in the presence of Jesus and, and, and she's sobbing and her, she's standing at his feet and he's laying there with his head and his arms at the table and, and, and as the tears are flowing from her eyes, they're dripping on his feet and so she starts to wipe the dirt and the manure and everything else off his feet with her hair and she pours the perfume on because she knows she's in the presence of someone who loves her and accepts her as she is.
And the other people there are watching this performance. And while their mouths aren't moving, their brains are. And this Pharisee is thinking. He's thinking if Jesus were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman was anointing his feet. And if he knew what kind of woman she was, he wouldn't allow her to do it. But since he's letting her, he must not be a prophet. And so we need to treat him like that. You see, the Pharisee thought, I'm better than that woman. I haven't lived that kind of life. Therefore, because I haven't lived that kind of life, I'm ranking up here on God's scale of good or bad. I may not be at the top, but man, I'm right up there, but she's way down there. (coughs) And the reality is that every single one of us here in this room this morning is deserving of God's condemnation. Every single one of us. No matter what you've done or not done. The point isn't how low you've gone. The point is how high the sun has lifted you. And so Jesus gives this man an object lesson. You know the story. Two men owed another man some money, one a little bit, one ten times as much. Which one loves him more? And of course, the one who had the greater debt forgiven. You see, sometimes we think that because we're pretty good or because we're nice people or because we're upright people that, that, that God doesn't need to do a whole lot for us. He just needs to, he needs to make up that little bit that we're lacking. But here's the reality. This winter, the battery on my wife's car started to fail. Now that battery had been in there for six or seven years and, uh, and, and it was the, you know, the car is 14 years old and that was the second battery and so it's basically time for that battery to fail and it was giving us a little bit of grief. And here a month or so ago and on a really cold day, all of a sudden the battery failed completely and we were expecting that. And so I phoned up one of the shops in town because that battery is, uh, I don't know what the engineers were thinking, but it's in front of the right front wheel and you gotta take the wheel off to put the battery in it. And I wasn't gonna mess with that at 35 below or whatever cold it was. And so I phoned up one of the shops in town and I said, can you put a battery in my wife's car? Uh, And they said, sure, bring it over. So I did. And and by the time they got done, they said, man, that's a really miserable battery to change. Yeah, that's why I brought it here. But anyway, I I said to them, before you change that battery, do a load test on it just to make sure that that battery really is hooped. Like, you know, I don't want to replace the battery if I don't have to. And so they did something called a load test, 
Uh, and there's a meter that goes way up and it tells you whether your battery is in the good range or the bad range. And the battery was hooped and it needed to be replaced and the car is working fine. So my question is, if you were to do, if you and I were to do a load test on our relationship with Jesus, where would that go? Would that needle just barely quiver? Would it just come off there a little bit because, you know, like we really don't think we need that much forgiveness? Or would it go way up there recognizing what a sinner I am? You see, if we have been forgiven much, we should love much, right? And if I love much, that should show, right? If I tell my wife I love her, now, the rest of you should be able to tell here at Emmanuel Baptist Church whether I love my wife. You've been watching us for 20 years. Do I love my wife? It's a good question to ask. You know, have I shown that by the way I treat her or do I show that my love meter isn't very high by the way that I treat my wife? And so my question is, when you leave this building, how high does your love meter rise for Jesus? When people are out there in the community, how high does your love meter rise? You see, if I love Jesus, if I really love him, it will show in the fact that I, that I walk with him. It will show in the fact that I am growing in my conformity to him. It will show in the fact that I obey him. If I love my wife, you'll see me loving my wife. Or you'll see me ignoring her. It'll show. And if I say I love Jesus and it doesn't show, there's something sorely lacking. The woman's sin was forgiven on the basis of her faith, not because of her emotions. And so the love meter is not the extent of our emotions or show. And there's nothing wrong with emotions. Like sometimes we as Baptists, we try and stifle that. You know, it's like, it's like this, you know, real men don't eat quiche thing. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but uh, I, I do eat quiche and, and sometimes I, I do cry. But, but, you know, we as men don't like the, you know, because that's not a manly thing to do to, to, to blubber and, and stuff like that. But it happens. And, and sometimes we're so afraid of emotions in, in, in a Baptist church that we, we, we stifle them, and, and that's not right either. I mean, the, but the emotions, it's not the emotions that are, the, that are my love meter. You know, I can get all gushy with my wife in, in public and stuff like that and then go home and treat her like dirt. My love meter shows 24 hours a day, whether we're in public or whether we're at home. And it's the same with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our love meter needs to show all the time. See, he who has been forgiven much will love much, but he who has been forgiven little will only love a little. And so my question is, how much do you think, how much do you and I think that we've been forgiven? And if we've been forgiven much, it needs to show. And if your love meter is just bouncing off the zero peg, 
And if you're not sure where your love meter is, ask somebody, because they'll tell you. If your love meter is bouncing off the zero peg, maybe you need to take a hard look inside yourself and say, I've been forgiven much, and if I love Jesus, maybe I need to practice what I really believe. You see, that woman, I don't think she went back to that life. I don't think she just kept blindly doing what she was doing. If I love Jesus, it will show in my behavior, not just in my emotions, but it will show in my behavior. And I trust that you and I, our love meters are in, the load meter is in the healthy territory, not just here, but when we go into this community. Father, it's so easy to talk about these things and to sing about them, but it's a whole lot harder to put them into practice. And so, Lord, I pray that you would search us, that you would wander through the recesses of our being, and Lord, put your finger on things that we need to change. Help us to know where our love meter is bouncing. And if there are things that we need to change, if there are behaviors that need to change, if there are attitudes that need to change, Lord, I pray that you would help us do it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You have forgiven us much. And I know I don't realize how much yet. I realize I don't worship and serve you as I should yet. But I'm looking forward to the day when I will know you and serve you in all of your fullness. Lord, grant us your peace, your grace as we leave this place. Help us to show all those around us that we truly are your disciples. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.